This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, family. What a wonderful opportunity it is. Every single time we get together on a Sunday, you know, um, we only really realize how important it is when you're in the building, hey? You know, some of us are watching online at the moment. And, and that's really awesome that, that you're prioritizing being with us online. But there is nothing like being together. And it's amazing for me when I look at the, the life of Jesus that, that God was intentional, you know. Just recently we were uh, at our National Elders and we had the privilege of, of hearing uh, from Tyron Daniel who de- leads the NCMI team that we as a church partner with. And what was interesting, he said, you know, he was speaking to his dad, Dudley, who was one of... The, the key uh, role players, it, it, just in, in terms of uh, seeing God move, not only in South Africa, but all over the world with this sense of an apostolic in- inheritance, this sense of saying God's restoring to the church. What we see in the New Testament is what we want to express. And Dudley is now um, many, many years old already in his 70s. And he, he asked Tyron this, qu- this question. He said, you know, uh, Tyron, do you, do you think Jesus knew that the internet would one day exist? And, and Tyron's like, yes, Dad, um, he's God. He, he would know that. Um, you know, isn't it interesting that he still chose to leave heaven to come to earth in flesh and blood that he would be able to accomplish what it is uh, he came to do to set us free? And, and I mean, as much as the online expressions are important, as much as these moments are important for us to connect with one another, we've got WhatsApp and we've got all these ways to be connected. This is nothing like being together in one room together. And so this morning, I wanted to share with us, uh, last week we finished our, our stretch out series, just looking at the book of Isaiah, some of those chapters, chapters 53, uh, 52, 53, 54, and 55. And uh, today we have a bit of a break in, in, our, in our sermon series. And I was praying and asking the Lord what I could speak into uh, that perhaps would be an encouragement to, to us as a church in this season, but also as we go into the next season. season and, uh, and I'm going to be speaking to us about being in His presence, okay? So there's an awareness of being in His presence, the power of breaking bread together. Basically speaking about communion. And so some of us today, you might be like, well, Gareth, I've already heard, you know, kind of we do this thing all, every week. I mean... Every month we come together, first Sunday of the month, there's communion. Uh, you know, this is sort of things I've, I've heard, the bread and the wine, the, the body and the blood of Christ. This is all, all awesome. But I'm trusting today that you and I would have a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding, and also perhaps bring into our lives a, a higher priority and emphasis on celebrating the body and the blood of Jesus in remembrance uh, of what he instituted. And, and friends, in this season, I am just finding many of us obviously are struggling at times with our health. Many of us are strong, sometimes struggling just with, with the realities of, of sin in our lives, things that, that keep us separate from God. And just recently, I, I had the privilege of spending some time with a friend of mine, and, and it was amazing. I was just having a coffee with him and a connect, and, and we were chatting, and it, as, as we were together... God was ministering to me through this friend. And one of the things he said, because we were talking about just some of the struggles sometimes we go through, and why, why, do I, why am I always tripped up by sort of the same stuff, you know? 
Uh, why is it like years down the line, Lord, I'm still limping, you know? I'm still not really getting there, you know? It's just forever, these things keep popping up. And, and one of the things he shared with me is, first of all, understanding that, that God is always with us. I spoke about this last week, you know? If we want to know God and if we want to see God, we need to be aware that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. But he wants us to experience his manifest presence. And this friend of mine shared with me, if you and I are sometimes struggling in some temptation or some sin or something that, that you feel is tri- tripping you up, sometimes the best thing for you and I to do is just to be like, to start praying in that moment. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here right now. You know, I'm tempted to engage in this thing. I'm tempted for my mind to go there. Can I just change my mind? Can I just remind myself of, hey, God is here right now. I spoke with the youth on Sunday, on Friday night, just about this reality. You know, you can't, our, 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 our brains don't work in negatives. We, we, we don't say, well, if I say to you, don't think of a pink elephant, then you do. So if you say, I don't want to do this thing, and I don't want to do that, that the don't doesn't register in your brain. All you think of is what comes after the don't. We don't think in that way. So what must we do then? We need to engage. We need to be intentional, be saying, how can I grow in my awareness of God? And that's why my, the title of my, my preach today is, In His Presence, we celebrate the power of breaking bread together. And so, friends, if we look at the Lord's Supper, um, it's an interesting uh, just tradition. It's, it's something that we express. There's obviously many different um, you know, uh, traditions or, or ways of expressing it. Some church traditions call it the Eucharist. Some call it the Lord's Supper. Some call it communion. All of these things really are the same uh, reality, same expression. It's just different names, and in a sense, uh, uh, perhaps a different emphasis. But today for us, I want to encourage us that as we engage with God's Word, that we would really come to understand not only what it's all about, but actually how to access God's presence every single time we think and, and come together. Because it's easy for us to, to go through this just through the motions. I'm ticking the boxes. And I, I, a lot of what I'll be sharing with you today I learned from Derek Prince and just in, in his, some of his teachings and many others as well. Uh, we have a great t- uh, preaching team around us as a church, and I was just picking some of their brains and just saying, how, how, do we, how do we express some of these things? So I'm, I'm not claiming to have come up with any new, fresh revelation, but I do believe that God is speaking to us today. So one of the first re- um, references of, or instances in the Bible where we see um, this picture of a, the cup and the bread is actually found in Genesis chapter 14. It's, an, it's a moment for Abraham before he became Abraham. He had gone out to war uh, and he had conquered these kings. And then these two kings come out to meet him. One is the king Melchizedek, who is the priest of the Lord Most High. He's the king of Salem. Uh, that, that Salem is actually the king of Jerusalem, you know, there's a sense of God's peace. He's the king of peace. And it says that he, he existed before all time. And another reference that we would have uh, for this particular moment would be in Hebrews chapter 7. I want to encourage you to, to look at both these as a parallel expression. But this moment, the, this is the first moment where we see the word or the concept of a priest introduced into the Bible. And if you're doing some study and if you want to grow into your understanding of God's Word, a really helpful tool 
When you're thinking of a particular aspect or, or theme or um, you know, idea, a great place to start is to ask yourself, when was this first mentioned? It's the, the law of first mention. Because whatever, whenever we find a passage of Scripture or, or a theme that was, if we look at when it was first mentioned, it gives us a picture of how actually it should be appropriated or accessed. Or, or it reveals to us a little bit more of the purpose. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I come to know some things and it's almost like broken telephone, you know? Down the line, I'm like, oh, this is actually the message. But actually, no, I need to go back to what it was originally said. And so we see this instance with Abraham. Melchizedek comes to him and it says, and this is what Melchizedek says to him, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And what does Abraham do? Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. There is a sense for Abraham where he is blessed. And this priesthood reality of Melchizedek is actually a powerful picture because we actually see throughout the order of, of, of the Levites, the, the Levitical priesthood, they would always have to, if you wanted to, if you wanted to have a priest minister on your behalf, you would have to bring your sacrifice to the priest and say, priest, please, um, you know, here's my sacrifice. And then the priest would take your sacrifice and then on your behalf, give it, in a sense, back to you. He would minister to you with the gift that you gave. But we see Melchizedek coming into Abraham's life and actually saying, saying to him, you don't give anything. I'm bringing what you need. I'm bringing what would set you free. I'm giving you access. And that's the picture of Jesus in Hebrews, what we see. Jesus is our high priest, not in the order of the Levitical priesthood, but actually in the order of Melchizedek. He's the one that brings the, the, the cup and the bread as a, as a reminder for us that God in his sovereignty, he has done everything on our behalf. All we need to do is say, Lord, I'm willing to receive and so often I find in my own life, and part of the reason why I get tripped up in some of these things is because I feel like I need to earn, I need to give, and once I've given enough, then somehow I would be able to receive what I'm in need of. But Jesus says, no, 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 when you're coming, I'm giving you. This is why this is such a powerful picture, why the, the, the cup and the bread is so significant for us as believers, and why Jesus, I believe, chose these as a means for us to be reminded of what he's done for us. It's also interesting to see in this particular passage with Abraham is that there was another king that was involved, the king of Sodom. Now, many of us that know our Bible stories understand what happened with Sodom and what happened and the kind of the significance of that. And the king of Sodom actually says to him, no, 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 well, take all the, just give me my people, take all the, the riches and the things that you have acquired because he basically helped get all of his stuff back. And the king said, yes, please, please, at least just give me the people. And Abraham's response is, no, no, no. I will not allow you to make me rich. I'm not going to take from you something that you can turn around and say, oh, now I've got you. You owe me. Very interesting realities of, of God's kingdom. Christ coming as the, the, the king in the same picture of Melchizedek coming, 
He's the king that, that gives freely and we receive and we respond, not by giving him everything just by giving a tenth, responding and saying, Lord, I want to honor you with what I have. The world comes to us and says to us, oh, no, no, please just give me, just give me a little bit. Keep, keep these things for yourself because the enemy at some point is going to want to come back and say, oh, wait a minute, you owe me. It's easy for you and I to step into those same traps. And I, I want to ask us that as we engage, especially in our relationship with God, that we would see Jesus is our high priest. He's our king, king of peace. He's the one that pays the price for us. And God wants to set us free from the temptation to say, I'm going to earn my way into God's presence. I'm going to earn my way into God's pleasure and not allow myself to be caught up in these realities. Now, that's the first mention of, of the, the uh, you know, Melchizedek um, priesthood. It's also interesting, just a kind of a side. I did mention that this, this is one, at one point. You see Jesus as our high priest in Hebrews. It says he had sacrificed, and then what does Jesus do? He went and he sat down at the right hand of God. If you and I want to come into God's presence, we need to understand that God, Jesus has paid the full price for us. He is now, there's no longer any sacrifice needed. But in the Levitical priesthood, they would always be standing. They would never sit down because you know what? Another sacrifice would need to be brought over and over again. Their work, their sacrifice, their bringing would never cease. But in Christ, because of what Jesus has done for us, he's able to say, my sacrifice is enough. And that's why this this picture is then drawn throughout the Bible. The blood and the body, the sacrifice of the lamb, and, the, and the, the body of Christ being broken for us. Obviously, one of the very um, well-known aspects of communion specifically is based around the Passover celebration, which we celebrated over Easter. That picture of saying, I'm not going to put my trust in myself, own ability. I'm going to put my faith, as Almarinta shared with us, I'm putting my faith in God, and therefore God has said, put the, put the blood on the doorposts of your, of your house so that when death comes, it would pass over you. God would set us free to also take that pure spotless lamb, let that lamb be sacrificed, fully consumed, nothing left over, nothing kept aside, Everything embraced in its fullness for us, Christ coming, pure spotless lamb, without sin, without blemish. And he then steps into this narrative of the Passover, and Jesus then speaks to his disciples. I mean, this is an encounter that we find in every one of the Gospels, but Jesus then speaks about, uh, in a sense, instituting what we would know as the Lord's Supper. The reason why it's called the Lord's Supper is because, well, they were having a supper together. And so when we have our, our communion or moment together, it's important for us to realize that it was a meal that he had. I love this quote by N.T. Wright. He says the following, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. God doesn't want to engage with you and I just on a, a conscious intellectual level and when we come to God's table 
He's saying to you and I, I don't want you to just access and enjoy me to understand, oh, cool, cool, yeah, the, Jesus died for me, awesome, my, my sins are forgiven. No, he wants you and I to understand that all of this is about unifying ourselves with him and with one another. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 to 29, it says, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he gave it to the disciples, and he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. Not some of you, not those of you that want, everyone that's at the table, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with my father, in my Father's kingdom. These elements, friends, as much as they are symbols, there is a reality for us when we engage with God's presence, when we engage with, with communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, there is a sense that God's presence is at hand, is manifest for us. I know some church traditions believe that as I bless it, it becomes, physically becomes the actual body of Christ and the actual blood of Christ. We don't believe that. We believe that it is something that says to us it's more of a spiritual um, action or spiritual reality. But there is a reality that when we engage with the Lord's table, that you and I need to have an awareness that God is here. And that we have access right now in this moment to His forgiveness, His love, His grace. And so there are lots of different aspects that we would be able to see that make up this table of the Lord. The first aspect that we would see is that it is a proclamation. An interesting passage for the New Testament believers would be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 10 speaks about a lot of like basically coming together and, and how we eat and how we come together as a fellowship. Are we allowing certain things that are a part of our lives, part of our fellowship, that are not godly? Am I eating food that was sacrificed to idols? Do I... Do I decide, well, I can get drunk because, you know, or I can drink something because it's not going to trip, any, trip anybody up, or I'm free, and that so-and-so, if, if they're in bondage, if it trips them up, it's their problem. But actually, Paul's writing to them and saying to them, listen, when you're coming together, there is an awareness, there is a awe, there is a reference, a reverence, understanding that God is with us, and God wants to express himself in our midst. And the first thing we see is that this, this is a proclamation. It's like a billboard. Every single time you and I engage with this, we are saying, proclaiming to everyone around us, to all of the heavenlies, in every way we are proclaiming Christ's death and resurrection. Christ's price that he paid for us. Christ's desire to unify us all. Christ's desire to see his kingdom coming. We are experiencing and proclaiming Christ. Just as in the same way as when I am baptized in water. The baptism doesn't make me clean, doesn't set me free, doesn't save me, but it proclaims to everyone 
that I am dying to myself, but I'm now being raised to a new life in Christ. There is a deep spiritual reality that happens, but I have to engage in a physical action. Do you guys realize the, the significance of this? I'm, I'm amazed at how often, even in my own life, I can feel like my relationship with God is, um, is, is sort of just up in my head. I understand the concept. Yes, I understand the concept. But Jesus didn't come to give us a concept. He came to engage with us. He came to reveal to us. He, he came to remind us. Anybody raising children at the moment? How many times do you have to tell them? Say please, say thank you. How many times do you have to remind them about what's good behavior, what's not good behavior? In the same sense for, for us friends, we don't come into or to the Lord's table and say, oh, well, I'm just doing this again and I, I can do this every now and then. You and I need to build into our lives a desire to say, Lord, I want to proclaim your death and resurrection, the price you paid for me every single moment of the day. I want to be aware of you. And does that mean I walk around with a miracle meal in my pocket? You know, and I've got that, that little wafer and, and probably the worst juice in the world. Sorry, miracle meal people. That juice tastes terrible. <laughs> but there is a sense that am, am, are you and I, are we intentionally becoming aware of Jesus' presence with us? See, friends, for the, for the early church, all of their gatherings gathered and centered around the Lord's table. Fellowship with him and with one another. Everything, that was the center. And I'm finding in my own life, and this is part of the reason why I fell to teaching to this, is because I don't think I necessarily value this significant moment, this significant expression. Enough. Now, there's no magic here. This isn't like, okay, if I do these things, you know, God's my cosmic genie and I'm going to rub him the right way and then, so I've done all the things and I've gone through the steps and now, cool, now I'm going to be healed forever. I'm never going to have any sickness. I know there are some that teach that if I have communion every single day, then I would not have um, illness in my life. I don't know how that works. For some people, it seems to work. For others, it doesn't. God is God. But I don't want to approach God as a formula. So therefore, when I engage with this, I'm not coming with this and just saying, well, okay, cool, a morsel of bread and a sip of, of some juice. I'm coming as the early church came together regularly. Acts 2, we see they came together daily. They met in one another's homes. Daily they would come together. Now, I understand we're in the you know, 22nd century now already, and we're like, you know, things are busy. Life is, is really, really hectic, all sorts of stuff happening. But am I carving out meaningful times and moments to be with the people of God, to celebrate, to say, Lord, I want to be unified with you. I want to proclaim your death and your resurrection. Because Paul's writing to the people in, in, uh, in Corinth in chapter 11 from verse 17 right through until chapter 12. And he is speaking to them and he's saying to them, you know, when you guys come together for the Lord's Supper, some of you eat at home. And then you come, and then you, you know, for them it was a big meal. It was a big deal to come together. We actually have a little bit of a similar expression 
to what they see. Is, we have our, what we call our City Lights Halftime on a Tuesday evening. At 6 o'clock, we come together in different communities. Our communities are made up of different light groups. And we come together and we have a meal together. That meal for us, uh, can I ask you if you're in a community and you're like not coming to a Tuesday night prayer, can I ask you to prioritize that? Because when we come together for that meal, it's an opportunity for us to say, Lord, I want to remember your death and your resurrection. I also want to be, rem be reminded and proclaim again that I'm unified with these people. It's not an added extra for deluxe Christians. It's actually the substance of, of our expression. It's a priority for us. And so I don't want to just engage in God's fellowship with people whenever it feels like or suits me, but I actually, when I come together, that this is something I do regularly as a believer. And when they came together, they had a bit of a problem. Some of these people in the New Testament, especially the church in Corinth, it's amazing. I read, read them and I'm like, just you guys, you guys sound like, uh, you know, 2022. <laughs> All sorts of uh, issues. But also for them, Paul's correcting something in them and he's saying, listen, when you're coming together, you're missing the point about breaking bread, fellowship, being together. It's not a duty that you fulfill. It's also not an opportunity for you to overindulge, as sometimes can be when I, oh, the church is having a function. Is there free food? Feed them and they will come. That was our, our rule when, uh, when we were leading uh, in Potsdam with the students. If we said there was food, they would come. Five, they would be at my house at quarter past five in the morning, eating, eating my pranitro and having coffee and rusks. I was like, yes, how do you guys know? No, no, no. The takeaways as well, you know. But there's a reality that when we come together, God wants us to, to feast together. It's amazing. I, years ago, um, I, uh, I struggled to, to build a relationship with someone. It was a difficult reality. But I found every time I sat down and had a meal with them, they would open up. They would let their guard down. That's what happens when we come together and we feast together. Even as we would later on going to be sharing in communion together, it's an opportunity for us to let our guards down, realizing it's level playing field for all of us. And in my life and in your life as a church, we want to prioritize this. We want to say, Lord, I want to not just engage in this because this is something that Christians do, but I want to do this in reverence and in awe, realizing that I want to create an opportunity I want to remind myself, just like I said with my children, I want to remind them of certain things of who we are and how we operate. In the same sense, when we do these things, it's a reminder because we forget, we slip up. So this is an opportunity for us to, to be, uh, the firstly, the, the, the Lord's Supper is a proclamation. It's also an opportunity for us to remember. Jesus said that whenever you come together and you engage with this, do this in remembrance of me. Reminding ourselves again and again the price that Jesus paid for us. There's also for us an opportunity that, that God wants us to anticipate. There should be an anticipation for what the Lord would do. We see this in, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. What? Until he comes again. 
when we engage with the Lord's Supper, it's an opportunity for us to proclaim, to remember, but also to eagerly await, Lord, this is not our home. We were not made for this life. And I want to gear myself. I want to put myself in a situation, in an environment that says, Lord, I want to eagerly await your coming. I want to see your kingdom come. There's also an opportunity for you and I to recognize that God is in our midst. But also to recognize that we are one body. We are unified together. For so many years, whenever I would have communion, I would think of it's me and Jesus moment. Thank you, Lord, for, for giving my sins. Thank you that your body was broken for me so I can access healing. I can access forgiveness. I can access your presence. But until I realize, wait a minute, there is one body that was broken, which means I'm just a part of that body. And each one of these parts being broken is an individual that God wants to, us to be unified together. He wants us to be together with one another. Not on our own mission, not just accessing, you know, my blessing. How can I experience God? How can I receive from God? No, actually, Lord, I want to celebrate being united with you and with your people. Friends, we cannot miss the significance of this. And I want to encourage you as families to engage with this on a regular basis. Many people I know have communion every single day. And that doesn't have to be a piece of bread and, and juice. You can pretty much use anything. If, because remember, it is a, it's be, being aware of God's presence. So I could be having a biscuit and a sip of coffee in reverence, but reminding myself and re being reminded ultimately that God is with me in this moment. I'm anticipating His, His coming. I'm recognizing that we are one body but we are also participants together. There are aspects of God being revealed to us that we only experience when we engage in this. Do you realize this? Now, Gareth, you might be saying, wait a minute, Gareth. So, What is there that I can see only in this that I wouldn't see anywhere else? I believe that when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, this is a moment for us to access God's forgiveness. The word says that before we come and have communion together, that we should forgive our sins and perhaps even if you remember someone else has sinned against you. I'm amazed that in our modern day Christianity, and I'm speaking to myself, how easy it is for me to carry grudges and forgiveness, bitterness in my heart, and how I can easily come and then I can enjoy my little piece of bread and a sip of juice and access, Lord Jesus, thank you for, give, for forgiving me. But Jesus is saying, what? wait a minute. Have you forgiven that person that's wronged you? I want us to understand that when we come together, when we're engaging with God's table, that we should be free. That's the opportunity. That's why it happens. Now, that doesn't mean that God says, well, you can't ever, ever engage with this. Because you've got unforgiveness. He's actually saying to you, wait a minute, deal with your heart, deal with your unforgiveness, deal with your sin, and then receive from me the free gift that I give. 
God wants you and I to be set free every single moment. And that's why engaging in the Lord's Supper regularly, I think, is a really helpful exercise or habit. Because as I'm engaging in it, I'm not just saying, Lord, thank you for your body and your blood, for your forgiveness. I'm also examining myself. Lord, where, what am I supposed to repent of? Whom should I send a message or a phone call? Say, listen, we need to talk. So often I found myself caught up in this unforgiveness, and then I just carry on with life. But years and years later, I find myself, that thing has grown exponentially, and I'm being caught up in a tremendous way. God wants you and I to participate in his body. John 6, verse 53 to 56, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of my flesh, of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him uh, up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Can you imagine standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus telling you, eat me. I think that people were so offended by this concept. But Jesus was saying to them, unless you want to have a part of me, you've got to access me. You've got to take hold of me. You've got to be like the woman with the issue of blood, willing to push through in order to just touch him. That was what she had faith for. She didn't have faith to be healed. She had faith to just touch. If she touched him, he would heal her. And friends, God doesn't want us to live as second-rate citizens removed from his presence, being distracted by all of these things that the world sometimes push, pushes in our faces. He wants us to access and say, Lord, I want to, every single day, I want to be united with you. I want to be united with your people. It's an opportunity, friends, when we come together for us also to be sharing with one another, to share in what Jesus has done for us, which means we have an opportunity to bring someone along with us. When Jesus had the Last Supper, you know, he sends his disciples on ahead. And I, I mean, I, I remember watching this, uh, this, this sort of an account, this dramatized account of the Lord's Supper together. And the disciples are coming together and they, they've prepped everything and the, they're enjoying this meal together. And they're actually having a bit of a, a discussion amongst one another, you know. And in, the, in this dra dramatized thing, you, know, you have Peter and John and and they're all complaining that why has Judas been given the, the seat of honor next to Jesus? You know, and, and John's like, yeah, but you know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves, you know. And uh, this one goes, uh, each one of them are sort of listing their credentials, you know. And then at some point, Peter pipes up. He's like, well, none of you guys have ever walked on water. Beat that, you know. But in that moment, when Jesus chooses to institute it, he says he chooses to have Judas next to him. God has a desire that we would share himself with everyone, even those who would willfully betray him, turn their backs on him. Which means for us, friends, when we're engaging in with the Lord's Supper, we're reminded that there are people that God wants to invite to the table, even though 
in our minds and perhaps even in their minds they are unworthy. But God wants us to engage with them, to bring them in, to seat them at the table. And perhaps as they're at the table, they can see the significance of what God has done for them. Repent and then partake. It is important for us to note, though, friends, that when we engage, this is something that only believers do. This is not something that is sort of open and, you know, now we're setting up kiosks and franchises. Hey, guys, come and enjoy the Lord's Supper. Anybody, you know. The table is, is open to everyone to, who would believe. It's not something that we just, because of the reverence, because of the understanding that it is, it is God's presence, and I'm not going to take it lightly. And therefore, for us as people, you and I have free access when we put our faith in Jesus. And I want to ask you that whenever we have these moments, that we would examine our hearts and say, Lord, am I, am I walking, am I, have I shared in what you have said? Am I one with you? And have I put my faith in you? Have I received this free gift? Because it's not cheap. This came very, very expensive. Very high price was paid for Jesus' blood and body to be broken. His blood to be shed for us. And so, friends, I want to encourage us as we engage with this. It's not like, well, the table's open for everyone. It's open for everyone that believes. And if you're here today and you're like, well, Gareth, I, don't, I haven't put my faith in Jesus, so does that mean I can't have? I'm, I would encourage you not to. But I would actually even more so encourage you to share, to receive the free gift. Jesus as the high priest of Melchizedek coming in and saying, I've paid the price for you. I'm bringing what you need. All you need to do is receive. God is able to set us free in that way. God wants us to be united with him. He wants us to share in this. And I know there are obviously many different traditions. You know, the way some, some traditions, they will use, you know, a little piece of bread. They'll come through with, with the trays. In our church, we've chosen specifically to do this in, the, in this expression where you and I, remember, have an opportunity to, to participate in the different elements, but also to be able to be unified together. It's not, the Lord's Supper isn't reserved for some special people who have studied, have been called and anointed by God, saying, well, now, because it comes out of my hand, you can have access. No, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, which means all disciples, every one of us have access to come to the Lord's table. And we can enjoy this with reverence, with awe, and we, I want to encourage us, as a, and this is part of why we have it set up the way we do, is because we believe that we want families to be able to enjoy it together. We want friends who can say, listen, we're united together in God's word and in his ways. And so friends, today, as we engage with God, can we remember that he is present right now? And as we engage, not only in the Lord's Supper and communion, but actually as we walk our faith every single day, can you and I be aware, become more aware of His presence, the reality of what He's done for us, that you and I could express, we could proclaim, 
We could share in. We could invite others to this table. Because Jesus says, come, take and eat. Come, drink, participate, enjoy, receive the free gift of salvation. I'm going to ask the music team to just come to the front for me. And uh, we're going to have communion together now. And I want to ask you that as we do this, perhaps as I'm sharing, you, you're feeling like maybe I should institute, I should make this more a part of my, my daily or weekly practice. Can I encourage you to go before the Lord and ask Him, what does that look like? Not another ritual, not another aspect that you want to add, but actually saying, Lord, I want to grow in my awareness of you. Can I also ask you that you and I as fellow believers, that we would prioritize coming together to share in a meal together. And the next time you have your City Lights half time, when you have your prayer moment together, that meal together as a community, that you would prioritize it. But you'd also come, not just with an attitude of like, cool, I'm going to see my friends, I'm going to be together, but actually I want to come and celebrate. I want to be unified with God and His people. I want to grow in my awareness, my proclamation, and the sharing of, um, of my faith with others. Today, friends, if you are far from God, there is forgiveness for you to access. And I want to ask us just to stand together as I pray for us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the price you paid for us, Lord. And Lord, I want to speak specifically to those today that are feeling far from you, Lord. Haven't, haven't truly prioritized or placed you as Lord of their lives, Lord. Today, I want to invite you, if that is you, to put your faith in Jesus, to receive from Him this free gift of salvation, to see your, your sins washed away, that you would see Him hung on a cross, His body broken on your behalf, in your place, realizing that He is now seated at the right hand of God, knowing that the sacrifice has been paid for, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor and pleasure over your life. You need to receive it by faith. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you as we are going to just engage in some communion, I want to ask you to come to the front. We'd love to pray with you, to minister to you. And then also, because you've made that decision, celebrate communion with you. So I want to ask you to come to the front even right now, just as the eyes are closed and we're just focusing on Jesus. For the rest of us, Lord, Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you said, this is my body, broken for you, Lord. And as we engage with this little piece of bread, Lord, that we would be reminded and be filled with the knowledge of your love and the price you paid for us. Thank you also, Lord, that you took the cup and you blessed it and you said that this is my blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And today, Lord, I thank you that as we enjoy this together, we would be set free. We would be set free from our sin. We would set others free that have sinned against us, Lord. That we would set ourselves free from all the things that we carry, Lord, as we access it together. 
Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.